This is the Wealth Ability for CPAs show. Better clients, better practice, better life. Here's Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Wealth Ability show for CPAs, where we're always discovering how to build better clients, a better practice, and a better life. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of the Wealth Ability Network. So we're in the post-pandemic now, and we've had to work remotely for the last year and a half. And the question is, is anybody ever going to come back to the office? And that's really the question as an employer. It's also the question for employees. And the question is, how do you even deal with this? How do you deal with this? Um, and how do you stay connected if you have employees that they don't want to come back? And I've got some good examples of that. Or do you force them to come back? I mean, what is that what is that balance that we're going to see? We have an expert in this, uh, Wayne Termel, who wrote the book, The Long Distance Teammate, How to Stay Engaged and Connected While Working from Anywhere, which I think has been the real question this last year, especially. But I think it's a bigger question going forward because it seems that the entire landscape of the workplace has changed forever. And so, Wayne, now welcome so much to the show. I'm dying to have this conversation, as I mentioned earlier. Would you give us just a little bit about your background and why you focus on this area? Sure, Tom. Uh, the short answer is that life have been aided by how people communicate or don't and uh, started in traditional leadership management kind of things. And about 15 years ago, really started becoming focused on the virtual component with the advent of WebEx and everything that's come with it. Um, and so that has been my focus. And about six years ago, my co-author and I, Kevin Eikenberry, and I have to get that in, lest he thinks I'm taking credit for the whole book again. Um, we started the Remote Leadership Institute, which was really originally to help the leaders and now has expanded to anybody who's working remotely and trying to get work done. That's our focus. So. so, okay. So let me ask you the big question. So first question is, are you finding that people are wanting to stay remote or do you find a lot of people are wanting to come back as soon as they're comfortable in the workplace again? Well, people are losing their minds over a Bloomberg article this week that said people are quitting instead of going back to the office. And that is actually kind of true in a lot of cases. The truth of the matter is we don't know what this is all going to shake out to. We know a few things. We know that there are some people who have been isolated and lonely and losing their darn minds uh, and can't wait to get back to the office. I mean, they would drop kick a puppy if they could get back in there today. Uh, there are plenty of other people who have realized that, you know, getting up at 5.30 and taking a train or putting an hour in in the car each way, there's other ways to live and still get the work done. Um, what we do know is the genie's out of the bottle, that it's never going to go back to 100% the way it was. And whether practices decide that they want to be in person, everyone in the office or not, is largely going to be a conscious decision around what kind of company do you want to run and how big are you? And, you know, culture is this lovely $10 HR word that gets thrown around. But really all it means is this is how we do it here. Got it. 
So, so is there a is there a perfect world? In other words, is there a perfect medium? Um, do you do you just say, well, those who want to come in, they can come in. Those who don't, don't. Do you say, well, we're going to have you come in three days a week, and then you can work remotely two days? What's is is there some um, you know perfect situation in your mind from a from a culture standpoint, from an operation standpoint, uh, where you are trying to maintain relationships between uh, the employees and, and and each other? What what do you how do you see this falling out? What do you think is going to be the ideal solution? I wish there was a one size fits all solution that we can say this is the answer, right? There really isn't. I mean, it's going to depend on how big your company is. How many employees do you have? Do you want to restrict your recruiting to a 10-mile radius around the office? Or do you want the entire world to be an option? Um, We know, for example, that firms that had everybody in the office and then they scattered to the winds have maintained those relationships really well, but those relationships already exist. Exactly. The challenge is when you introduce new people to the team or you're onboarding people, how do you create those same relationships? And some organizations will say, we don't have a problem with it. Uh, There are plenty of especially high tech firms that say we let people live wherever they want to. But they manage the interaction and how people interact and they help people facilitate those connections that happen normally in the office. Uh, Other people say, you know what? We like people coming in a couple of days a week. And if they don't want to face that commute on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, great. What matters is that you know what kind of culture and organization you want and then you find a way to make it happen we are a completely virtual company we didn't start out that way i mean we started i i was one of two remote employees i lived in chicago kevin and the staff were all in indianapolis and over time he has one employee now that shares the office with him and the rest of us are scattered and it works just fine, but we spend a lot of time making sure that we're talking to each other, having virtual events, making our meetings more than just transactions, but spending time on the team building. So, so, so let's talk about that for a minute, because I, I think that's the biggest question is, it's one thing to do it for a short period of time. It's another thing to make it part of who you are, right? And, and establish that, especially where, I mean, for example, we do a lot of events and we have people saying, when are we going to have them in person? I mean, they are clamoring for doing it in person. We'll always do it both in an event. You can do both, right? You can have people in person and re- and people remote. It's not that hard to do that combination. In the office, it's a little, little, little more difficult. So because there are certain connections that, like you say, they're easier to make in person than they are remotely. So how do, you, how do you do that? How do you actually set things up so that you continue to have those relationships, particularly, for example, let's say that you're um, the person running the office, let's say Kevin, for example, is remote. Let's say that person who is really in charge of the whole office cli- uh, culture, climate, et cetera, and managing the day-to-day, let's say that person is remote. How do you deal with that? 
Well, one of the big challenges is that for thousands of years, right, we have managed by proximity. And a lot of that happens with our eyeballs, literally. And I'm not being facetious about this. I'm sitting in my office, I look up and you walk across the room and I go, Tom, I need to talk to Tom about X. Right. Or I have a project that needs to be done. Who am I gonna get to do it? Oh, look, there's Alice. Let me get Alice to do that. And I forget that I've got people out in the field who are equally talented. So we tend to manage with our eyeballs. We need as leaders to suck back and just be very mindful of what am I trying to accomplish? You know, in our book, The Long Distance Leader, we, our first rule is think leadership first, location second. And that's what we need to do is we need to be very mindful of if I do X, how is this going to impact the team, right? If I, what's an example? Oh, here's a perfectly good one. I give feedback to the people in the, to the people on my team and I encourage them and all that good stuff. But if I see somebody on their way to the coffee pot, it's real easy for me to say, hey, good job. I like how you handled that client. Nice work. But Alice is doing really good work out in the field. That's an email or a phone call or something else. So you know what? I'll wait. I'll, next time I'm talking to her, I'll give her that feedback. Well, you don't because you forget time passes, something more important comes up. So it's really about being mindful. How do you structure your meetings, for example? Um, this is a really common one. We've all been in that meeting. Everybody's in the conference room around the speakerphone and you've got a couple of people dialing in. And it's good for disseminating information. It's really lousy for brainstorming and working together. Well, what if everybody was on a virtual meeting, Teams, uh, Zoom, whatever you use is irrelevant. What matters is that everybody is on webcam, everybody has the same access, everybody has the same opportunity to participate fully, and it levels the playing field. I, I, I like that. Now, it, it sounds to me like um, this is, I, I think you use the word mindful. And it seems to me like this is maybe an opportunity because it might force you, um, if you are remote, for example, that you have to be more mindful and you have to be more strategic and you have to actually think it out and probably will be actually, maybe there's a potential to be even more effective. Do you think that's possible? Oh, it absolutely is. Um, one of the things that I have to keep reminding people when they get very nostalgic for the before times is... Uh, some of that kind of sucked. <laughs> you know, it's not like we all had these utopian companies that worked fabulously and we had no problems, right? This is actually a chance to rethink and it's forced us to take the time to think about what we want. What do we want our company to look like? How do we want our team to function? And we have a chance right now, a very small window where we can actually stop and think about this before the madness all starts again. No, I think that's true. I, I think this is a window. I think this is a window in the next two to three months, uh, frankly, where, um, you know, three months from now, 
you know, we're finding like in Arizona, we had three cases yesterday, right? I mean, for all practical purposes, the pandemic's over in Arizona. And so uh, we're not, you know, that's not on top of people, people's minds anymore. I mean, the restaurants are packed, the airport's packed. Um, you know, people are just going back to their regular, you know, they may have to wear a mask once in a while, but otherwise they're, they're back in, in their regular business. And so it seems like you do have this opportunity to be thinking about, all right, so let's say you've asked your employees. So we have, I've actually several companies, but one of my companies, the employees really like to be there together. So they're pretty much all back. Um, with the exception of my uh, partner who's decided to move to Iowa. Um, and she just wants to live in a small town. So that's, you know, she's going to do this from Iowa. With the exception of her, most of them are back in the office. Um, I have another company where none of them are back in the office and they're not really excited to get back to the office. On the other hand, I, I, one of the questions I do have is, let's say that you do go completely virtual. Um, how do you maintain the relationships? Because it's one thing to maintain the work product. I get that. Yeah. Okay, you can certainly do that. And in ways you can do it just as well or better. Um, like you say, you can have a, a, a conference, um, video conference, and everybody's there. Everybody, you can see everybody all the time. And, you know, there's, every, you know, you know exactly. And, and I even go to the point where I don't, um, and this, by the way, not a critique, but I, I don't like the virtual backgrounds. I like real backgrounds. I want to see where they actually are. And mm -hmm. um, so, um, but you know, you can set those rules, right? You can do whatever you want that way in setting those rules. And then uh, see, there you go. See, that, there you've got that. I can take a hint. I pick up, I pick up cues. Very not a nicely. hint at all. Um, uh, but I'm just saying that I, I think that there are some things you can do. My question is, is that how do you decide um, that you're, how are you going to figure out how to make the connections? Because right. I think there are, it's different. There's no question. It's different in person than it is virtual and yeah. not change that. I mean, when you consider uh, what they say, 35% of our communication is tone, but 57% is body language, right? And how, how do you get that same body language virtually? Well, it, that's bad science, but it's close enough to make the point, right? <laughs> Which is we are hardwired. We're literally hardwired for face-to-face in-person right. communication. And there are a couple of things, very practical things, I think, that we need to take into account. The first is that communication is interaction, not transaction. Right. And when we work remotely, it's really easy to focus on the transaction. Mm -hmm. If you've ever started a conversation with, I know you're busy, so let's not waste time. Let's get down to it. Right. That doesn't happen when we meet in person. Right. We walk yeah. into the office. We sit down. We have a cup of coffee. How are the kids? Sorry about your uh, cardinals, you know, whatever we're doing. Right. We have a little bit of that before we get to it. When we work remotely, especially in task-oriented tasks like accounting and other things where it's all about getting the work done, right? It's really easy for communication to become transactional instead of interactional. The second thing is that we need to create those opportunities. I mean, if we think about 
being a, an accountant, getting work done, most of the time you just sit at your desk with your head down doing your stuff anyway. So it doesn't matter. What does going to the office give you? It gives you a social component. It gives you the chance to say, hey, has anybody else dealt with this? It gives you a chance to go, hey, I got an idea. What about, right? There's the brainstorming, that kind of thing. So you need to create, intentionally create those opportunities. Uh, I'll give you a very simple onboarding tip that we use. Please. We're a very small, small team. I mean, the whole company is 13 people. But when somebody joins our team, the first thing they have to do is they have to reach out to all 13 members of the team and schedule a half hour, one-on-one -on -one video call that is only partly about work, right? I might never work with Erica in graphics, but I'm gonna get a half hour of her time. And I'm gonna find out that she lives in Fort Wayne and she's got two kids and she's, you know, this is who she supports and this is what she's into. And I might not work with Erica an awful lot, but I now know who she is. And that is the very first thing people do <laughs> when they join our team. If you're onboarding, what usually happens is, hey, everybody, this is Bob. Bob's the new guy. Uh, he might reach out to you with a question. Uh, here's where he went to school. Here's what he did. Bob, say hello. Okay, thanks. And that's Bob's introduction to the team. How about instead of doing the old, okay, you get to shadow Bill around the office, you're going to shadow Bill for an hour, and then Susan is an expert on Excel and, and all the mechanical stuff, so I want you to work with her a little bit, and, and you intentionally forge those relationships. No, that, that makes sense. I mean, I, I, I think that's a key word, that we're going to have to be intentional with everything we do, you know, it, it's not going to be like, oh, well, we're just going to go lunch, right? Because we're there, right? So we can just say, well, let's go grab lunch. Uh, as, as an example, um, a couple of weeks ago, we had our first um, get together outside the office in over a year. Right. And it was fantastic. I mean, everybody was happy to see each other. Literally, we had 100% people there. Um, it was so great to see people face-to-face -face and have that interaction. So it, it seems to me like one way or another, you're still going to have to have those times where you have that face-to-face -face interaction, but it'll be more intentional. So maybe it actually makes them worth more. Um, well, in some absolutely. And there's this notion, and this will change, over time, but there's this notion that work is binary. You're either in the office or you're at home and you know that's how you work, but getting together matters. I mean, if you've got a completely virtual company, that quarterly meeting is still really important, you know, even if it's once a year, but the chance to get together, to share a couple of dinners, to tell some lies, to have hallway conversations, all of those things carry a little bit of that can last a really long time virtually. Interesting. Interesting. And it seems like, I mean, it certainly is going to be, have to be more impactful um, when you do have those get togethers. You, you, you mentioned earlier the um, uh, kind of offhandedly, the benefit of being able to recruit um, uh, worldwide. I just was talking to one of our uh, 
Wealth Building Network members, and he's just um, looking at hiring somebody to run his office from Mississippi. And I'm going, that is cool because she didn't want to leave Mississippi. Because she don't want, I mean, he's in California. She didn't want, she didn't want to leave Mississippi, go to California. And I can't blame her. You know, um, <laughs> I don't particularly want to live in California myself. So I can see why um, that would really kind of open the doors. Um, how do you, how do you though, when you open that door like that, how do you integrate people outside of that half hour phone call? How do you keep people integrated when they've not come, when they didn't start in the office? I mean, we've had several, for example, our sales team, they tend to start in the office, they'll spend six months there, and then they're off and they don't want to be in the office again. And I have no issue with that because they've been six months in the office. So how do you deal with that if there are, I mean, do you think we're going to see a lot of that where we just bring people into the office, but if nobody else is there, that doesn't work either. So how do you, how do, you right. do that integration? A lot of it is just going, and I hate to sound like a broken record, but it's being intentional about forging connections. Uh, it's really easy as the boss. If somebody comes to me and says, hey, Wayne, what about X, right? And I'm busy and I know they're busy, so I give them the answer and they go away. But if somebody comes to me and says, what about X? You know who you should ask about that? You should talk to Bob. You should talk to Mary. You should, because they're the expert. Well, I don't really, just do it. Just, you know, or I'll facilitate an introduction or something. Creating reasons for the team to interact with each other. That's a good point. One of the most common things that happens over time on remote teams. And as you add new people to the team and people leave, this becomes more of a problem. Think about a wheel with the spokes going out, right? And the manager's in the middle, the leader's in the middle, and each of the spokes is a different employee. What happens is because they're remote and they know their job depends on the leaders, they work really hard to maintain those relationships with the manager. They look for excuses to talk to you. They want to be on your radar screen. So those relationships become really, really solid and very thick lines. What happens is I knew Bob before we scattered. So I'll go to Bob with a question, but I don't know Alex. And I may not go to Alex directly unless there's a compelling reason to do it. We need to create those compelling reasons to do it. Uh, when you're creating project teams, have one person who's in the office and one person who's out. Have two people who haven't worked together do that rather than self-select because people will select the people that they've already got relationships sure. with. Sure. Makes sense. So, okay. So let's, let, let's do this. I want your top three recommendations of practical things that you can do when, it, when it's your company that uh, to, to actually make the remote workplace work? Okay, uh, the first thing is to remember that people are people. You are not managing tasks, you are managing people. Just as in the office, you get to know them, you get to know who their kids are, you help them get to know each other, you have purely social events. That, all of those things still apply. You are managing people, you are not managing tasks. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that webcams matter and not everything needs to be a meeting. 
so, you know, there's a thing. It's funny. Zoom went from 18 months ago, nobody knew who it was and it had no corporate penetration to being a verb. Right. To being a syndrome in 18 months. Right. Um, this is important. Right. You and I are having a much richer conversation because we can see each other. For sure. Than we'd have on the phone. Topics the same, information is the same, but it's a different conversation. So we have to remember that that matters. At the same time, you know, if I'm having an all teams meeting and there's 20 people on the all hands meeting and there's 20 people on the meeting, do I need 20 little window boxes during most of the meeting that nobody can see anyway and everybody gets kind of weirded out by being on camera? right? You just make smarter decisions. I am much more concerned about people being on camera when they're one-on-one -on -one with each other than when it's a... Got it. Uh, so the third thing, uh, what is the third thing that we need to do? Um, you know, in both of our books, actually, Leader and Teammate, we talk about trust being composed of three pieces. Proof of purpose, proof of competence, proof of motives. And the big thing is people need evidence that their teammates are competent. They need evidence that their teammates are motivated. And so creating opportunities to showcase the team to each other, right? Mm -hmm. If somebody is really good at something, take 10 minutes in the meeting and let them teach their teammates. If somebody has done a really great job. One of the things that leaders do for the best of reasons, and it sometimes backfires, is if you do a good job and you're in Phoenix, I make a point. I reach out and I say, Tom, you did a really good job with that. And you know who hears that? You. Nobody else on the team right. heard what a great job you did or how brilliantly you solved that customer problem. And everybody should know about that. Help the team constantly understand that they're part of something really good, that everybody is aligned, everybody on the team is competent, and everybody wants this thing to work. Awesome. I like it. So um, where do we find you? Where do you find me? I am not difficult to find. I am, you can find me at remoteleadershipinstitute.com. Obviously that's our website. You'll, our blog has new content several times a week. Lots of great free resources. Uh, you can also learn how we can help your company. Uh, I am on Twitter. The company Twitter feed is at leading remotely. My personal Twitter feed is at WTermel. You go there, you get what you get. Um, and of course, LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, the long distance teammate and how to deal with this. Thank you so much, uh, Wayne Termel. It's been great having you. Uh, just remember that we've got this challenge. Um, we do. Some people want to be remote. Some people want to be together. Um, dealing with that over the next few months, we do have this window of opportunity. And uh, now is the time to be strategic. And when that happens, we actually are able to work better with our clients 
okay, and have better clients. We've actually worked remotely with our clients for uh, 15 years now. And uh, actually Zoom was a great invention for us because it took us off the phone and put us in so that we could actually see people. Um, the clients become better. I think the workplace can become better, which means that the practice becomes better. And of course, when we have better clients and a better practice, we by definition have a better life. We'll see everyone next time. Thanks. You've been listening to the WealthAbility for CPA show. Better clients, better practice, better life. To learn more, go to WealthAbility.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>